So, are you DTFF? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome back to DTFF, everyone. Happy Tuesday evening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are happy to be back again here this week, doing our thing in the throes of the off season. It felt so weird not having any football this week. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. It's a but time for new discoveries. It is. It is. Maybe I have to pick up a hobby or something. Ugh. Outside of yeah. fantasy football, what else is there? I don't. I don't know. You become a an expert puzzler. You know that could be oh. within within range. I do like a good outcomes. puzzle. I do like a good puzzle. <laughs> there you go. If I'm, you if found I'm aging myself now. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you doing this evening, Jake? I mean, you know, I, I'm feeling the withdrawals too, but I, I think it's for the best. You know, we we need this time away from it to appreciate what we truly have. So that's right. In spite of the no football, I am doing pretty well. And yourself? Can't complain. Can't complain Would whatsoever. You, do you want to try? You know, because <laughs> well, this I is could, your platform. But... You're able to if you want. No, no one wants to hear any of my complaints. All it's right. It's not Festivus. It's not time for the airing, airing of grievances. So uh, we'll just keep it positive. How about that? As positive as we can, considering the theme of today's episode. True. That, that is fair. I, I will give you that. But uh, yeah, we're, we, we have a good show this evening. We're, we're doing face plants. We're holding ourselves accountable. That's right. And we're, we're, we're going to air it all out and say, this is what we got wrong. But I think more importantly, we look at why did that happen? Was our, was our process wrong or was the process right, but just didn't get the results we expected? Like what, what went on that we were wrong about these things? So I think that's more important. Taking a look, analyzing what we do so we can get better for next season. Correct? Absolutely. What, what can we learn from this? What should we change because of this? And yeah, we'll revamp. We'll come back better than ever. Maybe we'll be so good from what we learn on this that we don't even need to have this episode next year. Here's huh? hoping. Here's hoping. I think that we can do it, Dustin. So that's what we're going to pour ourselves into and hope to come out of this episode. I like that. Um, I don't know. I, I've been debating, Jake, if, if I wanted to bring this up here, um, just as our little kind of news segment, um, that we, we tend to do here, kicking things off. And it's that the cryptic, uh, Instagram from, I, I can't even say our boy anymore because fuck this guy, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it went with AA Ron, man. He's, uh, basically, you know, he's just, he's, he's pulling the farm stuff, but it's not retirement related. It's just the fucking shenanigans of keeping us waiting. Is he going to go to a different team? Is he going to come back? Is he going to retire? What, what the hell is he going to do? And I just know he's going to say something stupid on the, uh, Pat show. Pat yeah. And people are going to tune in because they think he's going to drop the news there. And you know, it's not going to happen that that's, I just don't see that happening there, but oh, it just bugs the shit out of me. Well, two things about that. One, I can confirm via sources, very important sources. Oh. That, uh, he did not say anything on the Pat McAfee show. So okay. that, that came with, with nothing. No actual hint of real news, which just means that, of course, he's purposely being cryptic just to be kind of a dick. Yeah. Uh, and, but two, you know, this is the start of your, your puzzle madness right here. You need to be able to uncover what Aaron is actually going to do via these cryptic little messages that he puts out in the world. Oh, I'm going to get a board just like, uh, Charlie in sunny in Philadelphia. Um, who's Pepe Lopez? Mm-hmm. That, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to have a big board right here by my Pepe podcast. Sylvia. Well, yeah, Pepe Sylvia. Thank Pepe you. Pepe Sylvia. Sorry. Although yours Pepe can Lopez. be Pepe Lopez. Yours can no. be whatever you want it to be. Pepe Lopez is that god awful below the bottom rail of tequila we had before. And that's oh. just always stuck in my head. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> that was a special <laughs> grade of low grade. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. It was. I think it was tequila made with liquor. That's how bad it was. Yeah. So anyway, that's easy for me to get that uh, stuck up in my head. But <laughs> uh to move on here uh to talk about something that tastes good that we're drinking. Mm-hmm. And that's our beer this week. I picked up this one. This is from our local brewery here in Madison from Young, Young Blood Beer Company. This is called Bathtub Beer. And Jake, I don't know if you had a chance to read the can. I did not. But it says. Let's do it together. This can holds the same beer with a different name. We were sued by the fine folks of Champion Brewing out of Virginia for using the shower beer. 
the name Shower Beer. So I know. Drama. Drama up in the craft brewery business. Yeah. I did wonder, you know, because this is like, a, well, it's it's a it's a lager and it's a light mm-hmm. beer, and it seemed like that was the intent. Like, ooh, mm-hmm. crack this open during your shower time, but yes. they weren't allowed. No, ooh, brutal. Yeah. So I felt like this is when I saw that I definitely had to buy it because I was like, oh, I gotta support these guys with their bathtub beer. Stupid getting sued for things. Virginia, what good has come out of Virginia, I ask you? <laughs> Probably a lot of things. But not huh. this company if they're going to be suing our fine fellas in Madison That's right. over this beer night. But yes, this is a Munich-style Hellas lager. Um, I think it's really good. It's got a nice little caramel uh, overtones to it, but not overly caramely where it's like super, super sweet. Like There's just enough there to give it a little extra kick to it. Um, nice and malty. I, I'm enjoying this. This is a great bathtub beer. Absolutely. I would rank it my top rated bathtub beer. I like that it has a little bit of zap on the tongue to it. Like mm-hmm. just a little bit of a nip, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not super exciting, but there's just that little something. Yep. It's very intriguing on the tongue. Yeah. Yeah. I might have to go buy more of these here this weekend and actually take a bath with the bathtub beer and set up my, my phone with my Netflix so I can, I can sit and, uh, just do it upright how you, how it's meant to be done out. There you go. Or, dare I say, you could take that opportunity to maybe make some drunk trades and then make this segment I could do that, too. Week? I could do that, too. Um, so, except I think I, I meant to tell you this off the air, but I think one of my Dynasty Leagues is folding. Um, oh, no. Yeah, because the commissioner, he's been using PayPal for payments. Ooh. And and the... Um, they finally caught on and he, he does like multiple multiple leagues it's not like this is the only one so it says right in their terms and conditions that no gambling is allowed or no sports betting something like that it was like so he's like you know he's like i'm not gonna be able to pay out people i'm sorry um he's like i'm working at i'm working at getting the money you know released to me he's like i got lawyers involved like the whole nine yards so oh wow oh yeah no, it's, it's a, a big, big boondog yeah so my one dynasty league and this is the one that i had the great team in too which is really disappointing um it it might fold it might so i'm, I'm a little i hope for your sake that. it doesn't because you did build that that fantastic team but mm-hmm. can i offer you silver lining if that folds and that really happens then we just have to create a league that we can be in in dynasty together outside of just our yearly redraft league yes because that needs to happen anyway absolutely and this would just be the fuel for that that's right absolutely But in the meantime, since you won't be able to make any drunk trades here Mm -hmm. in short order, we can at least enjoy somebody else's. Yeah, let's do our drunk trade of the week. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. Sweeks comes to us from Reddit. A rectophobic on Reddit. I looked it up. That is a fear of rectums. That is a (laughs) clinical term slash Reddit username. So never change Reddit. Uh, But they say (laughs) traded David Montgomery and a 2022 third round pick for DeAndre Hopkins while sitting at a bar looking through my roster back in like week three of the season. So it's Dynasty, but they're in week three. They're looking at the roster. They had Dalvin Cook. They had Austin Eckler. They had Leonard Fournette and Cordero Patterson. So an abundance of running back good. Mm-hmm. And they figured D-Hop would put them over the top this year. I did not get to hear back from Rectophobic on Reddit to see <laughs> if that actually did happen. But based off of the information that we have here. So it's Dynasty. We always assume full PPR. This doesn't mm-hmm. really matter for Superflex or any of the fun settings. But David Montgomery. And a third versus DeAndre Hopkins at this stage in his career. Which would you rather have for Dyson? Well, considering he gave us all the running backs, the plethora of running backs that he has on his roster, um, I don't think that's a bad trade at all. Um, and I don't really consider it an overpay either. I think it's pretty fair, uh, considering we expected Hopkins to be Hopkins, you know, this year and to be a top flight uh, wide receiver. So I don't hate that trade at all. And Monty, um, yeah, he was very impressive this year. He should have a good year this next year too, but I don't think you could do Monty for Hopkins straight up in any sort of format. So adding that third and thirds are nothing in my world. 
just uh if it if it's gonna get a deal done, it's just like, well, throw it on, like whatever. Sure. I can get a third back at any time by making trades for piddly players, you know, uh or bench assets, I guess you could say. So I don't hate that trade at all. For being a drunk trade, I think that's that's a pretty fair one. I think it's one of the more reasonable mm-hmm. drunk trades we've ever had on the show. And I agree. I think David Montgomery is due for the uh the Brandon Cooks or Jarvis Landry treatment where he's going to be perpetually underrated. He's going to be a fringe top 12 guy, but probably never a true top 12 guy from this mm-hmm. point forward, I don't think. Uh, although a lot of shaking up happening in Chicago, so he actually could be. And, and mm-hmm. wouldn't that be something? But I do think DeAndre Hopkins is probably a bit underrated right now. Mm -hmm. So if this trade were to happen today, I actually don't even think you'd have to give up that much or you could get a little bit more coming back with Hopkins, possibly, uh, just depending on on your league settings and Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. But yeah, I think it's a pretty even Steven trade. Yeah. I would like to make this just a bit more interesting before we move off into our faith plans. Is there a different running back in that group, except for Cordero Patterson, that you would rather trade away than Dave Montgomery out of Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, or Leonard Fournette, would you rather have one of them leave your team? Uh, if there was one, it would be Fournette of, of mm-hmm. those. I mean, Cook and Eckler, I mean, they're going to be studs for the next couple years, at least, I would expect. Um, same with Monty. You know, he, like you said, kind of a high RB2 type uh, Fournette. I mean, he's another one. I think he's he's probably going to be undervalued, especially if he leaves the Bucks this year. But, um, you know, we've seen him do it on multiple teams being amazing. So there's no reason to think he wouldn't do it again. But if I had to choose one, that's who I would go with. Yeah, I I like that. I definitely agree with that because the question marks are substantial. And with running backs, the question marks are everything. It's not mm-hmm. quite like wide receivers where they can they can get away and it doesn't really matter the quarterback situation as much, uh, running back and all that. No. What goes on mm-hmm. around them? Very impactful. So I like That's it. That's right. Okay, good. Well, before we get into our face plants here, Jake, I do want to pay off one of the beer bets uh, that we talked about last week. Yay. Is that last week? Two weeks ago? Sure was. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to pay off one of them here. I've got... Uh, I've got two to pay off, so I'm paid off one here tonight. And which would you prefer to pay off tonight? Which one? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but it kind of does, because I just really want to hear you reiterate why you have to drink. (laughs) I am going to pay off the first one on the list, the Miles Gaskin. Um, For a recap, having him finish as RB20 or higher, uh, he finishes RB25 overall and RB28 in points per game. So, yeah, just barely missed that one. That one, that one stinks because I felt like it was good process there. Uh, and I know we talked about it last week, but I feel like he probably pushed me to 20. Uh, I would have been a lot more comfortable with 25, which at that point I would have won it, but, uh, that's on me for not holding my ground. So, um, yes, here's to you, Jake. You're an amazing fantasy football prognosticator slash genius. Thank Cheers. You. Oh, look at that one. Go right down the old windpipe. Give you a nice little Love zing it. to go with your bathtub beer. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. It's Fireball. Hashtag As not always, a sponsor. Hashtag need not to a sponsor, but sponsor. but you should sponsor uh, at least me here. So uh, <laughs> one of these yeah, days, one of these days. Yeah. All right, let's move on here to our face plants. So these we pulled from three specific episodes or two episodes, I should say. Three topics: our sleepers, busts, and drinking buddies, and. Yeah, let's just let's just go through them. Let's rip the bandaid off and just fucking do it here. Um, <laughs> and the first one, ironically, is the same person for both of us here uh, to go through. So that is one Mr. Cam Newton. He was one it's... of my drinking buddies. He was one of your sleepers. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna start off here, um, Jake? I can. I can. I, I feel like we both deserve this for investing so heavily. But I think it was more about like a redemption story. The Cam mm-hmm. Newton. At least that, that's what I was so excited about was the redemption. Because everybody shit on him so hard for 2020 and what he did without any weapons and mm-hmm. the Patriots. New well, offense. He had, and he had COVID. Right? Got added to the team very late in the year. Mm-hmm. Had very little time to learn the playbook. There was so much going against him. And we just felt like, well, that would get corrected. We knew that they drafted this young rookie, Mac Jones. We Mm -hmm. both thought it would take at least a good chunk of the season before Mac Jones took over. Thought he'd sit a little bit and Mm -hmm. learn. 
And he did. I thought, yeah, I thought for sure he would sit the entire season, to be honest. I thought Cam would kind of be the bridge quarterback for the season, let Mac learn the playbook and learn the offense a little bit. Uh, and then Cam would be out the door this offseason. But no, no, that did not happen that way at all. No, cut right before the season. So there was no chance of this ever happening. And then, of course, to make things worse, there was no chance of him latching on with the team in time for us to start him when we wanted. And I know my whole thing was like, well, take him at the very back end of your draft because you could assume he's starting at least mm-hmm. the first handful of weeks and you can enjoy those weeks and drop him when he gets cut. Yep. And instead, he gets picked up by Carolina midway through the season. He got some usable starts out of him. He had mm-hmm. five games where he started. Uh, it was quarterback 16 over those five games. So like, you know, he didn't burn you, burn you, except for one week when he got pulled halfway yeah. through the game. <laughs> that one burned you pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's a disappointment. Yeah, that was very disappointing. Um, I don't have much more to add to that because that's, that about sums her up. So, um, I'll go next here because this one ties in directly with my, uh, shot I just did. Uh, Miles Gaskin. I was really all in on him this season here. Um, and I thought because Miami did not draft a running back that he was going to be the, the lead back. And he was one of my drinking buddies and one of my sleepers. I, I, like I said, all in on this guy this year. And yeah, he just, uh, you know, there was some injury. They just didn't get the use out of him. It was kind of a throw whoever out there in the backfield. It'll be interesting to see what happens this year. A new coaching staff. And I don't know if, uh, Brian Flores and the rest of the coaching staff, obviously they didn't believe in him. I mean, they believed in him enough not to bring in someone that was going to be real competition for him, mm-hmm. but they didn't believe in him enough to give him the full workload. So, uh, it, it was a weird conundrum there with that team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here this offseason. Uh, with the free agent running back class and then with uh, rookies coming in, Miami has a crap ton of draft capital again to use. I would expect them to probably draft a, a running back here this year, but who knows? But yeah, it was, it was disappointing that he didn't quite get the run that, you know, I was expecting. And I know I was probably higher on him than a lot of other people out there. Uh, I, I really did think he was going to have the opportunity to be the lead back in that backfield. I mean, his ADP had still positioned him as an RB2, you know, a top 24 guy. He was still being positioned that way, at least, if not a little teensy bit higher. Mm-hmm. Now, I I did not believe in him as we made our beer bet over, mm-hmm. but I believed in your idea overall with this, which is why one of my sleepers ended up being another guy in the Miami backfield, which also worked out terribly. <laughs> and... The, but the philosophy, I think, was, well, invest cheaply in a running back in Miami. Hope that the offense really kicks up a notch. Mm-hmm. Hope that Tua takes a really big step forward and keeps the offense humming. And instead, Miles Gaskin, I mean, he, he, he was fine in some weeks. It was much better than Malcolm Brown, who I listed as one of my sleepers, with the philosophy of, all right, I'm going to invest even cheaper than you are, Dustin. I'm going to get get this guy, not even in a draft, probably just wait until right before week one to drop somebody and maybe add Malcolm Brown, who was just added to the team in the offseason. I believe he was going to get a shot. He was stuck behind some quality guys in Los Angeles, gets to move over to Miami, and nothing. Completely irrelevant. Uh Played only like seven games, I think. I... I don't know. I like the idea of targeting cheap, ambiguous backfields, but this was clearly not the way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't hate the, uh, the process behind it, Jake, where you're drafting them either super, super late or picking them up off the waiver wire, um, as probably like your six running back on your bench for redraft. I mean, right. as, as a guy, you're getting super late to take just a dart throw on. I think that was, that was a good move. Uh, because we have seen Malcolm Brown, like he, he did things in LA, uh, yeah. when he had opportunity for whatever reason, he just didn't latch on and, um, wasn't given the keys to the Corvette, so to speak. Um, so yeah, the process, I don't, I don't hate the process. I, I think the process was good as far as dart throws. Uh, and if there was a backfield where it could have worked out, it probably should have been this one, but just didn't for whatever reason. He just wasn't given that opportunity. I think he was struggling with some injuries throughout the season that were just kind of nagging and, uh, yeah, just never fulfilled his promise. 
Yeah, and probably just not as good as I thought that he that mm-hmm. he is potentially as a as a running back here. Now your next guy, if you wanted to talk about this guy, which I would love for you to do, it is I another know you would. Well, it's another issue where injuries zapped mm-hmm. of what could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I had Logan Thomas, one of my drinking buddies. Again, we're we're getting a theme here with this. Uh, yeah, Logan Thomas. Um, he was injured very early on in the season. Played only six games. And just didn't do a lot in the games that he actually did play. Uh, although when you look at the, uh, the leading tight end in that group there at Washington, it was Ricky Seals Jones. And I know he had a couple big blow up games. Um, uh, but Logan Thomas only had like 15 points less than him and played in less than half the amount of games. So I do think again, process was probably good. And I mean, in those six games, he had three touchdowns. So I mean, he, he was scoring you a touchdown every other week. I mean, he would have ended up close to double-digit touchdowns at the end of the season, which for a tight end is very good. Um, so I think he would have ended up fine. But again, it's one of those seasons that we'll never know. You know, we, we don't know what's what would have been. So it is kind of a lost season. And I know we, we talked about this kind of in-depth last week uh, with the beer bets about him, so we don't need to belabor that too much. If you want to know more, go listen to last week's episode. But yeah, I think, um, again, process was probably probably on point there but yeah injuries just kind of derailed the season so there's not much you can do about that yeah i i mean i agree i just to put a nice point on this because i know you're treating this as a face plant i don't think it's quite as big as what the stats would lead you to believe that it is because if you just again he got injured in his last game and except for that game if you started him you weren't unhappy starting Mm -hmm. him he was good for you so I agree. I think the process was absolutely there. I'll take a little bit of an L for not believing in him as much because when he was healthy, he looked good. Not like this guy. This guy <laughs> didn't have any of the excuses that Logan Thomas did, but I wanted to target another ambiguous depth chart in Houston, but at the tight end position. Mm-hmm. And I was calling my shot on Jordan Akins, who was the most established guy in that offense. This was his fifth year, I believe, on the Texans. He had done okay things up until this point, and he was sharing the workload with a couple of other guys who had moved out of town uh, mm-hmm. right right before the season. So I thought, okay, there's a path for him. Yeah, there's this rookie Jordan Brevin that people like, but it's a rookie tight end. What's he going to do? Well, I mean, he, he was better <laughs> than Jordan Hankins was. That's not saying a lot because both were pretty much irrelevant. And only one player on the Texans had more than 60 targets this entire year. 60! And it was Brandon Cooks, who just crushed it with 134 targets. He was the only game in town. Uh, yeah, there were dump-offs to be had to the running backs. And that was it. You know, there wasn't a lot of other competition for targets. So hypothetically, this should have been a good situation for mm-hmm. Jordan Akins. It definitely wasn't. There's not a lot to say. The team was... Kind of a dumpster fire for fantasy. For fantasy. For it, it performed, I say they performed better than I think a lot of people expected. But yeah, for yeah. fantasy purposes, it was hot trash. Oh, yeah. So he, I mean, he is off my list, of course, for mm-hmm. next year. There's no way in this situation, which seemed to be ideal for him. If he couldn't perform here, no chance for me that he'll do it again. Maybe I'll look at Brevin Jordan, though, going forward. I don't think it's. It's a complete loss at the position in Houston because no, he and I came on a little bit. He did, you know, he was a rookie, so I feel like you know, give him another year or two, and uh, he can. I think he could make some noise, but in the short term, I mean, he's more of a bench stash for me in redraft. I mean, dynasty. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but yeah, I, I do like that call about Brevin Jordan there, Jake. Oh, it's not all lost, Dustin. It's not all lost. Nope. All right, talking about a, a all loss. Uh, <laughs> My next guy here was a total fucking loss this season. Uh, and that was Cortland Sutton. Uh, this is someone, again, I was all in on. Uh, he's one of my sleepers for the season. I thought people were definitely, to use the term, sleeping on him. Coming off that ACL injury last season uh, with the Jerry Judy hype, which, I mean, I still love Jerry Judy. He's a very good young player. But I think, you know, my whole thing was people forgot about Cortland Sutton, how good he was the year before his ACL injury. And just because they brought in another guy doesn't mean that makes him worse or less talented. But that offense was garbage. Well, the running game was great. Let's put it that way. The passing mm-hmm. game was garbage. I mean, Cortland Sutton did nothing. Jerry Judy was up and down. The tight ends were kind of all over the place. The quarterback position, steaming hot pile of dog poo. 
And it was just, yeah, it, it was, again, I, you can't say it's a lost season because we played all season long, but that offense was just not good at all. So hopefully Denver does the right thing this year, picks up a quarterback, uh-huh. someone that, someone that can push the ball down the field a little bit and actually make accurate throws. And then I think, uh, I think Cortland Sutton will be okay. Will he be maybe that alpha number one wide receiver, you know, a top 12 wide receiver like we were all talking about a couple years ago? That ship, it, as long as he's in Denver, is probably sailed just with Jerry Judy there. And, you know, if they want to be more of a run first offense, although with Nathaniel Hackett there coming from Green Bay, maybe they will open things up a little more. But, um, again, hard to say. We don't know what his, his coaching tendencies will be. So unless Cortland Sutton leaves, which, you know, he just signed that contract extension. So he's going to be there for the next few years at a minimum. Um, I think probably the best we can hope for is like a wide receiver two and like a middling wide receiver two. I don't know even if it would push into the high end, just with Jerry Judy still being there too. Um, cause they're both super talented young wide receivers. And let's not forget Tim Patrick, who was oh. the most consistent wide receiver of the ball. How could I forget? Out. How could I forget about him? He got paid too, Dustin. Mm -hmm. He got paid. Uh, So the entire trio is going to be sticking around. I would like to do a little exercise in court and cut if we can. Because you talked about his quarterback situation being Mm -hmm. paramount. Of course it is. So I know that there's a couple of names that we would love to go see there for fantasy, which would make this oh so incredible. Every share that you have of Cortland Sutton, if, say... And Aaron Rodgers or a frustrated Russell Wilson gets traded there. Suddenly you're salivating at this, right? Oh, salivating. Yes. Uh, I think even if you were to get like a, you know, say like a Jimmy G were to go there. I mean, that, Ooh. that's, that's even really? an upgrade. I, mean, I would hate it. You, you would hate it? Really? I would hate it. I feel like it's a lateral move for fantasy at that. Oh, at that come point. on. Cause he does not throw to guys that are in contested catches, okay, you know, that's... situations like Cortland Sutton. I would be, feel better about Jerry Judy if he went there. All right. That's fair. I'll, I'll give you that one. But how about like a Marcus Mariota? If Marcus Mariota goes there, what would you feel about Sutton? Uh, not great. I'll be honest. I mean, we haven't seen much <laughs> out of him, so it's. Remember that one game like two years ago, though, where he lit the world back on fire and how cool that was? Yeah, that, that and that was how long ago? Two years ago. Okay, yeah, how about exactly? How about Mitch Trubisky currently backing up Josh Allen in Buffalo? That could be interesting, only because um, he's got an arm, and I don't think he was really given a fair chance in Chicago. So, and and you know, he was working under the same coaches that uh, Josh Allen was. So you'd hope that he picked up some things with his mechanics or being able to read defenses or, you know, whatever his issues were, you would hope that he would have been able to pick some of that up over the last couple of seasons. So um, that would be interesting that, that I would, I would definitely be interested in that. Trying to gauge like what the worst case situation <laughs> would be. I think my worst case, well, besides Jimmy G, what last one, Sam Darnold moves on from the Panthers. He yeah, ends up there. Cause why not anything? Um, it's not much more improved over, say, Jimmy G or what they currently have with Teddy Two Gloves and Drew Locke. Like, it's all mm-hmm. kind of like a similar tierish for me. It's all a very poopyish hue. Yes. They all reside yes. in that same color base there. Yeah. The poopy hue. Okay. That's good to know. That's good mm-hmm. to know. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of quarterbacks, just have to put it out there again. I fucked up on Joe Burrow. I did, guys. I'm sorry. I don't know why I couldn't get myself to believe in Joe Burrow, uh, except it was the injury concerns. It was the O-line concerns. None of it mattered for fantasy, especially towards the end of the season. We talked about it ad mm-hmm. nauseum the last couple episodes, but I did just want to, again, call myself an idiot one last time about Joe Burrow because he was quarterback 10 in points per game. And, yep. uh... There's not a lot much I can say about that in my defense. And I think for next year, it's an easy decision. I mean, he's mm-hmm. an easy top 12 at worst. Mm-hmm. And I would hearken to say with the QB shuffles happening, I could see him being in the you know QB six to eight range pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I was thinking like seven, eight right around there. So we're, we're in a similar boat. Uh, so do you think what we saw out of Burrow the like last few games of the regular season and throughout the playoffs, like, cause he was definitely en fuego. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's what we're going to see moving forward or was that just getting hot at the right time, uh, for the Bengals in that offense? 
Well, I mean, I hope we don't see what we saw in the Super Bowl what? as the recurring theme. But outside of that, yes. yeah, I mean, yeah. for the last, yeah, to your point, like the last few games of the regular season and then the initial games of the playoffs, I would think so because I believe firmly part of the big issue at the beginning of the season was the injury. It takes a mm-hmm. long time to come back from that. That sucks. And, and I mean, it's not like he didn't do good things in those first No, no, games. but I mean, he just took it to another level that like, the last like you know five games that we saw him play including the playoffs like i mean he yeah. he was at he was playing at a different level and i think that whole team was so it was more like is that the expectation that we see that out of the gate next year or does it drop down a little bit to more of like how he was playing middle of the season take out those first few games where you know he was obviously just getting reacclimated to, to playing football after the injury so like middle of the season is that more of what we can expect or do you think it's going to be more of what we saw at the end of the season I'm keeping hopes pretty high. And I think most of that is because we saw the worst case scenario of offensive line still. Mm-hmm. It's got it's to get better. It just has to get better. And so if that's the low bar, I think he clears it pretty easily with any sort of upgrade. Uh, and obviously the, the whole gang sticking around in terms mm-hmm. of uh, targets. So that's going to be fantastic for him. Uh, and there's really nothing hurting him, I don't think, at this point. So unless the defense gets like out of their minds good and he doesn't have to throw as much, it's the only thing I could see being a knock against him next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. I like that. Okay, next one on my list. We each got two more here. So um, next one on my list is Cole Komet. I had him as a sleeper. And while I put this on here as a face plant because he ended up as tight end 20, I believe, uh, in total points. Uh, let me just verify that. I don't want to lead anyone astray. Yeah, so he finished as as tight end 20. Uh, we know that offense was just garbage last year. Uh, between Andy Dalton starting some games and, and Fields being a rookie and Maggie just not knowing how the hell to um, run a team and an offense. Uh, although we did see the offense kind of turn a little bit once he let the offensive coordinator uh, take over the play calling. So maybe it was more of just a Nagy issue. But uh, I think my process was was on had the offense taken even a remotely small step forward. So here's the thing. L- let me drop some stats on you, Jake. Oh, do it. <laughs> drop your stats all over me. I'm ready. So Cole Komet um, was number eight overall in targets for tight ends with 93. So guy like that, right? I love only, it. Only had 60 receptions, which I know isn't great, but that, that put him in the top 12. Uh, the yards weren't too bad either top 12 he was right at number 12 so so far so good right so far so great yeah this is where the bottom dropped out zero touchdowns on the season zero Ooh. yes so i mean even if he had three or four touchdowns you know maybe more of like what along what an average is for for tight ends i mean i think that would have bumped him up into that top 12 category easily and I know that's not a high bar to set. We always say that getting in the top 12 isn't that difficult, but really, I mean, think about it. He's, he's, he's ticking off all the other boxes for what you want to see out of your tight end. Like he's getting, tar- you know, plenty of targets per game. He's, he's getting the reception. He's getting the yards. He just wasn't able to find that red zone. And let's be honest, not a lot of Bears players found the red zone last year, with the exception of maybe of David Montgomery, uh, cause he actually got to run the ball in. But that passing game was putrid. I mean, you know, we saw Allen Robinson. I mean, he basically gave up. Uh, Darnell Mooney didn't live up to the expectations we'd hoped. So hopefully here with the new offensive scheme in place, new, new coach, um, things will turn around and he's a little bit more involved in the red zone and they, they score some more touchdowns. I, I think I'm in on that entire offense at cost for next year. Justin mm-hmm. Fields, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, all of David Montgomery, as we talked about, all of them I think are going to be undervalued. Cole Komet, I love it because, yeah, he did all this while playing second fiddle somehow. Grandpa Jimmy Graham. Mm-hmm. And can I just take this moment to say to Jimmy Graham, what have we, what have we done to you? that has made you do this to us in turn. I don't understand if it was something that I said, just tell me and I will apologize for it, but you have to go away now. You have to leave because it's the only way we can enjoy nice things. I don't mm-hmm. oh, I don't understand. But truthfully, he has to be gone next year. And so I love this. And uh, I, I do have him on basically all my dynasty rosters right now. Nice. And really hoping that that pays off. So, whew. Uh, somebody I don't have on any of my rosters, and I feel very, very dumb, uh, dumber by the day, in fact, for not, is Michael Pittman. 
wide receiver for the Colts. I called him a bust in this last offseason. He finished wide receiver 26 in points per game. That ain't a bust. You know, is no. it is it the cliff? Is it the mountaintop? No, but for the Colts, it might be because he was the leading guy there on the offense. And I came into this offseason going, look, Carson Wentz, fine. I'm fine with Carson Wentz. I know you were you were in on Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. We'll probably talk about that next week, in fact. Uh and Carson Wentz was good. I mean, he was he was for fantasy, he was he was good enough. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. But I thought he'd be good enough because it's dump off city to tight end, it's dump off city to the running backs. And I never imagined there was a way for Michael Pittman to cross a thousand yards. And here he almost gets eleven hundred. He is by far the leading target there. Helped a little bit, of course, by the fact, you know, other wide receivers were injured. T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, they didn't really do anything because they mm-hmm. played like four games combined. But even with that considered, I just did I thought, no, no fucking way. And I think for next year, you'd be foolish. We know Carson Wentz is probably on the outs, it looks like, from all the internet reports right now. Doesn't yeah. seem like they're going to want to keep him for whatever reason. Uh, God, no, they gave up a first-round pick for that one-year uh, rental. <laughs> it worked out super well. Um, they did all that just to not hand it to Jonathan Taylor or every other play like they should. Yeah. So I think for next year, though, I can't imagine a worse quarterback situation for Michael Pittman, or I should say that he's going to be really impacted mm-hmm. that much by whatever the quarterback situation is. So I'm definitely in on him. I hope that his finish at wide receiver 26 makes him affordable in redraft. Right. I think he will be. I think he'll be a reasonable value. I, I think so. Um, I think some, I mean, it, it's going to depend on your league. I think some people are are very much in on him and it's going to be hard to pry them away at even any sort of discount or even at a fair cost. Cause I think the people that believe in him really believe in him. Sure. Uh, but out, outside of those handful of people, yeah, I think you'd probably be able to get him at a discount. So I like that. Dare right. you say this man's name once more? On yeah. Last one. Right I know before. I've admitted this, this, uh, face plant many times already here. Uh, and that's Jalen Hurts, QB of the Philadelphia Eagles. I just didn't believe in him. I, I thought that three game sample at the end of last, uh, the previous season in, uh, 2020 was a mirage. I didn't think that, you know, I was like, that's too, that's just not enough. Just not enough to see. And the hype, and he was so hyped up over the summer last year in the off season. So hyped up. And I'm like, well, we only saw three games. Yeah, he can run the ball, but his passing wasn't great, which kind of held true this year. Uh, but that's really all you need, I guess, in the NFL to be fantasy relevant is to be able to run the ball and score some touchdowns. Cause that's really all he did was just ran a crap ton, scored a crap ton of touchdowns. He had 10 rushing touchdowns and 16 passing touchdowns. So finished as QB nine on the season in PPR leagues. So yeah, totally missed out on that. Uh, I had him like a mid range QB two. If my memory serves me correct. And yeah, totally whiffed on that one. Um, so I mean, maybe he wasn't the best real life fan, uh, football QB for your team, but definitely for fantasy purposes. Yeah. He got the job done. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is a valuable lesson for all of us here. I, I was higher on him, of course, but I wasn't expecting him if he looked this way as he did for a certain number of games where he just mm-hmm. didn't look great, especially at the start of the year. I think he started to turn it around in season uh, a little bit. Maybe that's in the eye of the beholder. But the point is, if you can get somebody who is going to get that volume of rushing attempts mm-hmm. as quarterback, you just, you, you have to be in on it. I think now, because it's like, take a mediocre running back in the NFL, but now you can add on 16 passing touchdowns. Wouldn't you want that? Mm-hmm. On your, on your team. So I do think that we have to start reevaluating it even more or like putting even more emphasis on the running because you're right, man. He was not, uh, Joe, Ma- Joe Montana, not even Joe Montana. I don't think from a passing <laughs> perspective, but for fantasy, he fucking crushed it. So mm-hmm. this to me reeks of anytime I get to talk about. Trey Lance, I really want to. So let's juxtapose juxtapose this onto Trey Lance. Next year, Trey Lance, we have questions about his passing, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Are you in? Are you in if you know he's going to get the rushing volume that Jalen Hurts got? I, I would have to be. I don't I don't know that I could put him 
top 10 necessarily only with the rest of the the young talent that's out there not saying that he can't do it i think it'd just be hard to put him up there i mean because all right above justin fields you wouldn't or would you um i i above justin fields i might but i mean when when you just go through the list of of of, uh quarterbacks you've got josh allen no not gonna go over him i think that's safe right sure lamar jackson lamar you've got herbert mahomes rogers Dak. You said young talent, by the way. And okay. now I'm starting. Well, to I'm just saying there's a lot of young talent in the league right now. Fair. But like Burrow. Yeah, we Burrow. Just about. Uh, you got Stafford, probably. Sure. Sure. Hurts. I get that. Kyler. I mean, that, that's 10 quarterbacks right there. I, okay. So all of those you're saying you would put above Trey Lance. Hurts included I'm, for now. I'm, I'm just saying it would be hard to put Lance above any of them. I'm not saying he can't okay. finish there. But I'm for just right saying, now, it, 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 it would be hard for me to put him above any of those QBs, including okay. Hertz. I'm going to be very curious to see what our QB projections look mm-hmm. like for this year. Again, acknowledging that we're not going to do just hardline rankings. We're going to try and right. be a little more fluid, mm-hmm. put a little more, more of a basket situation together and try mm-hmm. and group these guys. So I'll be very curious to see where both Hertz and Lance land for you this year, mm-hmm. uh, assuming there's no hinkiness with other quarterbacks coming into the fold. I want to talk about my last guy. Well, I don't, but I, have I was going to say, do you? <laughs> no, not really, but I'm going to. It's Jared Cook. Jared Cook was a drinking buddy of mine, adding to the tally that says Jake should never be in charge of anointing tight ends to be anything because it true. has literally <laughs> never worked out for me. I don't know why I think I can keep even trying at this point. I should just defer. There should be an option for me to defer, you know, like the coin toss, like, no, let mm-hmm. them figure it out. You throw some names at me. I'll tell you if I like them or don't like them and let that be it. Because I think that's how we're going to have to go next year. Jared <laughs> Cook, finished tight end 18. I mean, that's nothing. That's, that's yeah. nothing. You, you don't win. You have to try to finish that low. <laughs> well, Jordan Akins would like a word with you about that. I think it was like tight end 57. So again, two tight ends in this list, both of them atrocious. Promise me, listeners, that whatever I say about tight ends next year, you will simply do the opposite and move on with your life. Uh, I will try. I'll try and reevaluate, but I cannot promise anything. Justin, the only question I have about this, because what I loved so much was what he'd done the year prior mm-hmm. with the Raiders, and then putting him onto the Chargers, which I thought had a good vacancy for him to fit into. But supposing no Jared Cook next year on the Chargers, is there any way you can get back on board with that position in that offense, or is it entirely dependent on the player? I think it depends on the player. I'm just trying to look, pull up that there. So it's Donald Parnum would be the guy. I know he got a lot of buzz this year, and and he looked good Former in flashes. XFL guy. Yeah, um, he is what he's going to be. Well, he's only twenty four, so I mean he's young. He's only in his third season, so I mean he could be interesting. I don't know that I would invest a lot in him, in especially in redraft. Like he would be like one of the last picks of the draft, like a dart throw type tight end for me, uh, only because. Yeah, he's flashed, but we've not seen anything consistent. And that offense does have a lot of other weapons. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't know. I, I just wouldn't be confident about running into a season with him as my number one tight end. Oh, that, that, no, that's totally fair. Especially as we're talking about Donna Parham, because we haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to do the same thing as we do with Cortland Sutton, just real quick. Because there's some interesting free agents. And let's say that this landing spot, one of these guys go there. And we're like, okay, they get Justin Herbert. It's a good offense. Can we mm-hmm. believe in Zach Ertz going there? He's an unrestricted free agent once again yeah. coming out of Arizona. I think so. I mean, we You're saw down. what he did moving to a new team this year uh, without, I mean, he got traded and was just basically inserted right into the offense without missing a, a hitch. So, yeah, I think Ertz would be a would be a good, I would be on board for that. Absolutely. Played two games in a week. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you got to you gotta respect that. How about Eric Ebron? No. Jettisoned off of, uh, I just, I, I am, I am not a big believer. I mean, would that be an upgrade over Jared Cook or Parnum? Probably. But I, I mean, I just, yeah. Here's a big one. This is the one I'm really interested in because he's disappointed so many people. But if Evan Ingram ends no. up on the charge, oh, Never. immediately. Never Evan Ingram. Never. You're just done. I'm, I am so forever. out on him. So out on him. Yep. Oh, all right. Last one, just because it's a homer one and it's fun. What if Robert Tunyon goes there? No. 
So basically, I, you're kind of out on the position of yeah. the Chargers, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, Evan Ingram, I mean, he had the one really good season. He hasn't done much. He's been injured every year since then. Uh, Big Bob Tanyan, uh, he was buoyed by all the touchdowns a couple seasons ago. It wasn't like he was super involved as far as in between the 20s. Like, he got the red zone work and got all the touchdowns. So that's that's kind of why I'm out on him. Um, yeah, the only one is really Ertz. I mean, because we've seen him do it now on multiple teams, multiple years, be a reliable target, even though he's technically getting up there in age a little bit. Um, I he's still not think... too old for this shit, Dustin. No, no, like I, Donald Glover always says. Hey, that 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 was kind of my point. I'm like, just because he's, you know, I, I'm not trying to be ageist here. I think he he still has a lot left in the tank, and he would he would be a good fit for that offense, and and I think uh, would would continue to do what he's always done. I like it. I, I respect that. I think I would be the fool. Again, don't listen to me. Remember what I just said about all the tight ends that we talk about here. But I would be the fool buying back into Evan Ingram if he got onto this offense just to see, just to see mm-hmm. what it's all about. And I'd probably get burned for it. So, uh, let's put, uh, put that little notch in already. Just assume going forward that I've already fucked it up because I probably will. My last question here, just to kind of do like a recap because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. You said a lot of names. It's come from a lot of different episodes with a lot of different themes. Mm-hmm. But if, if you had one takeaway from all of your misses this year, this past season, what is that? What, what's your biggest takeaway? I think my biggest takeaway is more often than not, my process was fairly correct. Like my, my, my rational thinking about why I pick these players to do well in this situation more often than not was correct. It was just, it didn't end up that way because of injury or something else unforeseen. Uh, you know, I think the Cole Komet is a perfect one. Like he scored zero touchdowns. Like how often is that going to happen again in his career? Assuming he's healthy and plays 17 games. Like, the chances of that happening again are so slim. So it's like, I felt like, you know, and that kind of belabor that one because it, it was one where all the other metrics look great. And I felt like I was right on with him, but it was just that, that one, like zero touchdowns. It's like, well, yeah, that, that was a fluke, you know? So, so I feel like more often than not, my processes were correct. Uh, the ones that I missed on, um, it's definitely going to be. I think looking at the the situation, like Cam, like we probably should have known that Belichick doesn't want a running quarterback. Sure. And Mac, Mac Jones fits that style of offense they want to run better than what Cam did. So, you know, it, it's things like that, basically, that I need to readjust and, and kind of uh, look more at, at, at coaching tendencies or how, how things have work previously for for coaches and and this type of offense they've run rather than necessarily the the player themselves in that situation if that makes sense i love that i think we talked about that in our um you know uh episode a while back where we said what can we learn basically going forward what's one thing you'd like to remember going Mm -hmm. forward and coaching tendencies definitely came up there too. It's an underrated aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's not an exact science, which makes oh. it harder. Mm-hmm. It doesn't rely on per, as precise of stats. Of course, you can mm-hmm. still use stats to your benefit, but it's definitely yep. more of a, a feel mm-hmm. type of thing with the coaching tendencies. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah. And especially with all the new coaches we have this year that we don't really know anything about. So that'll make, that'll make that a little bit more tricky on those, you know, half a dozen teams or so, but. Yeah, I think that's that's probably my biggest takeaway uh, as far as taking a look at my processes for next season. What about you? Fucking avoid tight ends, man. That's my biggest. (laughs) My second biggest takeaway, though, uh, is is aiming with, especially in this process. Man, I gotta look higher up. I I gotta look towards the ceiling. I'm staring at the floor constantly with these. As I go back through some of these names, I'm thinking. What was the best case scenario for a lot of these guys? I mean, Malcolm Brown, Jordan Akins. My best case scenario for those sleepers is that they become okay usable assets for you, which is fine. And there's usefulness to that. But really, you got to turn your attention a little bit higher uh, for this exercise, especially. And, you know, we kind of try and cut ourselves off the kneecaps mm-hmm. when we're doing this because we like to look as far down the right. ADP list as well, possible for sleepers. We're not looking to be obvious. Like we, we are trying to help help our listeners out there and, right. and, and dig a little bit deeper than be like, I don't even know. It would be like, if we were going in the next season, I'll just throw something out there. Like Cam Akers, he's going to be a top 15 running back coming off of his injury this next year. Well, it's like, 
yeah, that's probably fairly accurate. Like he had the draft capital and he came back this last season and played after that terrible injury. And it's like, right. yeah, that doesn't help people like 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 that. That's not helpful as like a sleeper, you know, like, yeah, we want right. to dig deeper and, and uh, give you someone that will actually something that's actually beneficial for you to use. Yeah, yes, exactly. The, a, a true sleeper still, which is harder and harder to identify mm-hmm. these days because everybody's talked about it all the time. And that's why this gets harder and harder to identify these guys. But there has to be a middle ground, I think, at least for myself, like in choosing some of these. So I think I will take that information going forward. And yeah, maybe there's a separate episode we can talk about. Hey, these are solid guys. They're not right. going to be exciting, uh, but here they are and we can present it much differently. But for me, yeah, I'm going to keep my sights a little bit higher. All right. Sounds good. Uh, anything else here, Jake, you want to talk about before we sign off for the evening? Because that's all we got on our show sheet. The only thing I want to talk about is what's upcoming for next week. Because we went through the bad. We went through, really, we went through the bad two weeks in a row. Because we did, we did our face plants this week. We did our beer bet payouts last week. Good for one of us, bad for one of us in, mm-hmm. in each one. And then the bold predictions, which, you know. They're always interesting. But next week, we finally get to talk about the good things we did. We will do a little bit of victory lapping. We'll try not to be obnoxious about it. Uh, But we'll at least talk about the things that we did a little better Mm -hmm. and, more importantly, why that works and what we can apply next year. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that'll be a fun one only because it's going to be a much more happier topic than the last two weeks have been. Yes. You know, we, we can laugh about it and, um, you know, but the whole thing is we, we are going to learn from it. Uh, but it is nice to take those victory laps every once in a while, uh, and, and pat yourself on the back for a job well done. So yeah, that's coming up next week. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, and then we're going to start getting into some, some real fun, uh, of our off season topics here. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to digging into to some of those. We're going to do our rookie review is going to be coming up in the next few weeks from the 2021 class. We're going to look ahead to this year's rookie draft or uh, NFL draft with the rookies coming in, uh, start our divisional breakdown series, which is always a blast. That's probably my favorite series that we have is going through all the divisions, which is the guests we have on and the Homer's corner and everything. So yeah, it's, we're getting through the recapping stuff, uh, looking back at last season, and then you know we're going to be moving forward now. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward here to the to the rest of the uh, off season here. So um, I think that's about it. You feel good about this, Jake? I feel great. I feel great about it. You know why? Because I had a bathtub beer to get me through it. So once again, shout out to Young Blood Beer. You're Woo-hoo. always the true shower beer in my heart. That's right. Well, everyone, you can find us on Twitter. Find the podcast at Drinking Fantasy. You can find my co-host, Jake Trowbridge, at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. And you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Thank you.